really irritates me because, because I have done the research on this. I didn't start salary transparency uneducated on this topic. I came prepared with facts and research. And so many studies have found that even when women negotiate for the exact same amount that a white male would, and this is like, it's worse for women of color, like Mm -hmm. 10 times worse that a white woman or a woman of color who negotiates the exact same amount is not going to get the same raise as a white man would and sometimes won't get anything just because they're deemed greedy or difficult or like you know they they feel like they deserve more and it's like no it's actual discrimination that's Uh being blanketed by this oh i don't have to teach you how to negotiate well no we're actually not taught how to negotiate in school so maybe it's your ethical responsibility to pay me a fair wage Welcome to Wise and Wine, a play on the phrase, rise and shine. Now look here, folks. I've had five jobs in the last two years, and that shit just ain't normal. Or is it? No, no, it's not. So I'm turning to diverse people who inspire me both professionally and personally with careers that didn't exactly start at point A and end at point B. We'll explore how their families, their cultures, and their communities impacted their career decisions, as well as the exact moment they decided to pursue their passions, even if that passion wasn't a direct path to a pension or a 401k. Hopefully, I'll come away knowing how they became the badass, the confident, the strategic people that I admire. And if I don't come out of this project a little wiser, well, at least I'll enjoy the boozy wine ride. You guys, I apologize for being late this week with the episode. Um, I had to go back to the States to take care of some things with my family. And I had the most horrendous flight back, which I will definitely tell you about. I feel like this episode that I keep promising y'all about how scuba steve and i decided to move to costa rica i've been building it up and building it up and now i have even more stories to tell with that based on this crazy experience american airlines can suck it again i don't know why i gave them another chance but thank you for your patience thank you you will not be disappointed with this week's guest hannah williams from salary transparent street So I think it was my brother. Somebody asked me, why are all or a good chunk of your guests, people that you meet either on TikTok or through social media, things like that. And my best answer to you is because they respond. (laughs) That's really the easiest, simplest answer that I have for you. I think because they are also content creators and they're making something from nothing themselves, they understand that somebody else has a passion and wants to do stuff and are completely supportive because they've either been there or they're in that same spot. And so Hannah, I would say, is a little bit further along in content creation um, than myself, but coming from my previous life as a recruiter, um, you know, salary transparency was always a difficult thing for me. The first thing or second or third or something that people always asked me before they hung up was, well, what's the salary for this job? And it was always a weird place for me to be that I could not answer them. Like, it's a valid question. Like, what is the salary range for the job? And it was just always so wonky to have to argue and go back and forth. Like, if you want people for a job, like let's take care of it at the beginning and don't let salary be a thing, a reason why they decline a job at the end. One of the jobs I had recently, um, a student who was an intern asked for more money for the internship. And so unfortunately, my company's policy at the time was that we paid a standard rate to all interns across the board. And so the student ultimately declined um, the offer. And the manager was really pissed and he was like, I can't believe he would turn away this opportunity. It's a great opportunity. And then he said some weird ass quote about 
being penny wise and foolish or something. I don't even remember. It's on my Instagram. But I was just like, why are we mad at people for asking for what they're worth? And that was always a tough place for me to be in the recruiting space when, you know, candidates wanted XYZ for the role. And I get it. You've worked hard. You have experience. You're somebody that's earned the money that you've asked for. Like, that's why we go to higher education. That's why we do internships. That's why we do all of this stuff generally to our debt in order to make more money. So I never understood unless somebody was asking for some crazy amount, like shoot for the stars. And (laughs) if there's a budget for it, then, then let's pay for it because there always seemed to be a budget when it was somebody that and when I say somebody, I'm going to say a male. When it was ever a, a white dude, there was always money for it. But whenever it was a person of color, oh, hem and haw, hem and haw. So that's my little rant about working in higher, in recruiting. Um, so I ran across Hannah's page, her salary transparent street on TikTok. It came up on my For You page and I was like, yeah, this is perfect. This is actually what we should be doing. Why aren't we transparent about our salaries? And so I was looking at a bunch of her videos because they always spoke to me because she does a really good job um, of asking people a very, very different career type. So it could be a teacher. It could be somebody in IT. It could be an astrophysicist. It just was a, a wide range of people. But beyond that, it was a wide range of people physically. It was women. It was men. It was young. It was old because all of that impacts what we're all paid and for salaries. So I definitely wanted to reach out to her and get more information. And again, for those of you who are like, I thought this podcast was supposed to be diverse. It is diverse. I think, and and Hannah is an advocate and an ally for salary transparency, not only for herself and people that look like her, but also for people of color and women because in the workforce, a lot of times women and people of color are disproportionately affected and discriminated against when it comes to salary and pay. So really loved what she's doing and wanted to talk more about her. And I realized that on the surface, she and I should have nothing in common. She is 25. She's living on the East Coast. She and her fiance just bought their first house. She's heavily invested in stocks and thinking about her future and plans to retire at the age of 40. My dumbass is 46, you know, living in another country, divorced. So like on the surface, we have nothing in common. But as we talk, we realize, oh, we both were interested in the sports industries and we were heavily influenced that because of our fathers. We both realized that we're pretty much introverted, that we know how to turn that on when it comes to our careers. And so as we talked, I was just like, yes, girl, yes, I, I, support your mission. I love where you're coming from. I love that you're taking this on not only personally, but professionally through Salary Transparent Street. So you're definitely going to hear more about her and her ups, her downs, her ebbs, her flows through her career. Two things that I need to clarify before I turn you over to Hannah is number one, she did work for um, the football team that resides in Washington. And I think we refer to them as the Washington Football Club. I think they've been since named the commander. So please forgive us for that. And then it was, oh, I think a bunch of times I probably call her business salary transparency street instead of salary transparent street. And she was kind enough not to correct me every time. So I'm correcting myself here. So please welcome my guest, Hannah Williams from Salary Transparent Street. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to Wise and Wine. What are you drinking today? Hey, Jen. I am drinking coffee today. This is my second cup. (laughs) Oh, goodness. What time do you get up every day? Oh my gosh, like 6 a.m., <laughs> which is like not that early, but really early for me. <laughs> yes, understood. Yeah, we moved, uh, my boyfriend and I moved to Costa Rica 
yeah. last month. I can't, I'm losing <laughs> all track of time now, but it gets like super bright here at 530. So even if oh. I want to sleep in, like I can't. So we're up. It must be beautiful though. How's Costa Rica? It's it's rainy. So it started raining last oh. night and it's been raining kind of all day today. So this is a good mm-hmm. indoor activity to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. All right, let's jump into it. So you job hop five times in two and a half years, which speaks to me because I have a very similar story. Um, Twins. Yes, we are definitely career twins at this point, and we will definitely get to that. But first, let's talk about your original professional goals. Like, what Mm -hmm. career did you envision for yourself as a child, and maybe how was that influenced by your family? Yeah, so I was always hopping funny enough that I guess that followed me as I got older, but I never knew what I wanted to do. It would change all the time. And I got like, when I got towards high school, I was like an athlete. I really loved sports. My dad had raised, raised me to be like really into sports. Like he's from Ohio. So like Cleveland, everything, unfortunately for me, it's been a hard life, (laughs) but that's what I wanted to do. Like, I just loved the idea that I could be a woman in sports and that that wasn't so popular, but I like was so passionate about it that I was like, there's change I can do. There's great things I can do. And then I started working in sports and I got like the bigger picture and shifted away from that. And I'm sure we'll get into that in a well, little bit. Well, you, you preempted my next question, but also same, same. Cause my dad was a huge, like, um, Jets fan. He had season tickets mm. to Jets, Mets, yeah. uh, Knicks. And like, I've been going to Jets games longer than I've <laughs> like, I've been a little kid. And so that was yeah. my original plan was I was going to be a physical therapist for the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. But like you said, uh, once you get into sports industry, like the, the idea of it, the, and the actuality of it aren't always yeah. the same thing. So, um, <laughs> that makes sense. I see that you earned your associate's degree in business, your bachelor's degree in management. You had a certificate in sports industry essentials oh, and, yeah. and then you were doing game uh athletics game day internship you got a role with the washington nationals and then who we will now call the washington football team (laughs) (laughs) it looks like you were on a track for sports industry so what made you pivot to a different career path Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I started uh, college, I went to community college and you mentioned physical therapy, which is funny because I was thinking about doing um, athletic training. So kind of like more or less the same thing, but I was like, I want to be on the field with the players. Like I want to be in the action. And I started studying that and realized very quickly, I'm terrible at science, like (laughs) terrible (laughs) at anatomy. Like, don't ask me to name bones, nothing like that. So I was like, this is not for me. I don't think this is it. So I looked into sports marketing, sports management, and I had like, like you mentioned, a lot of internships. I was busting my butt because I realized like in sports, it's all about who, you know, it's all about the internships. It's all about your experience. And so Unfortunately, all of those were unpaid, like completely unpaid. I did not get a cent for my time. And I was like running myself ragged. And I was starting to realize like when I was working with the, now we call them the Washington football team, (laughs) there was like really bad culture there, Mm. like bad culture with management, like not just women and men. It was just like this complete separation that if you worked in like the office in cubicles, you were below everyone else that worked in the cigar room. And Mm. I just like, it just rubbed me the wrong way. I just didn't like it. I knew I also wasn't going to make any money even when I started. Mm -hmm. So I started pivoting away from that and I got bit by the entrepreneurship bug. So that was my next step. Perfect. Well, that again, I love that you're leading me into these questions. Um, so you did entrepreneurship. You founded a company called Trucker, which connected customers to the largest collection of local food trucks. So what did you learn in creating your own business and, and, and what skills did you strengthen while yeah. you were creating the business? But also, what do you wish you had now that you look back? What do you wish you had yeah. what skills you had in place before you started? Yeah. So trucker was a big one for me. That one is kind of like, I look back and that was the shift of everything. That's when I started moving away from sports and I started kind of understanding what I wanted out of work. So I was in my junior year of college. I just transferred to Georgetown university and funny enough, this is like a side note, but I chose to go to Georgetown to transfer from community college because, um, Ted Leonsis who owns monumental sports, which basically is like he owns the wizards. He owns the mystics. He's like a big, high, high, big guy, (laughs) a lot of money, lots of influence in sports. 
And he graduated from Georgetown and was very involved in Georgetown. So I was like, I have to go to Georgetown for sports. And then right when I started, I got, I got this idea for trucker where I went into the city a lot. And I noticed that there were like huge long lines for food trucks and food trucks are kind of a part of the culture around here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, people are spending their lunch breaks, just waiting in line for their food. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I don't like that. You know, I want to have better time, but make better use of my time for my lunch break. And so I was like, you know, why don't they have a system here where you can order ahead and then go pick it up? Ah. Yeah. So that's what I started doing. But the thing that I wish I had before I started was coding experience. Ah. (laughs) I did not know how to code. I had no technical background. So that was my biggest struggle was I was trying to build an app with absolutely no tech experience. Ah, And that didn't, yeah, it didn't set me up much for success, but it was wonderful because I got like experience in entrepreneurship and understanding of what that was, because it just kind of always felt like some far away concept to me. Like I can't be an entrepreneur. I don't come from money. You know, my dad's not a business owner. Like, how do you start this? How do you even do it? And so I learned all those things. And I was just in school. Like I was a junior through senior year. I was doing that. And I like to say that I learned more about business by having my business Hmm. than I did by actually going to business business school. And then the full circle thing was that Ted Leonsis actually, because he's an entrepreneur was heavily involved in like entrepreneurship at Georgetown. So it ended up being like a perfect match. Cause I was like, well, I came here for sports for Ted. Now I'm here for entrepreneurship for Ted. And so I did like a bunch of pitch competitions. We have this thing called Bark Tank because our mascot's a dog. So Shark Tank, Bark Tank. Uh, okay. So yeah, so I learned how to pitch because I had to pitch at Bark Tank. I learned how to do public speaking, which is like, I'm very shy and introverted naturally. And that I know it doesn't come across that way, but believe me, it's like something that I've just learned is, and that's what entrepreneurship taught me was how to be more forthcoming with my thoughts and my ideas and not be so shy. And so that's what entrepreneurship taught me. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about how to start a business, how to network, how to make a pitch, all those things that I still use today. Okay. Now, have you ever actually met Ted? Like, was he a professor? Yeah. Or I feel like, okay, good. I feel like yeah, yeah, there yeah. needs to be a moment where you two meet. <laughs> this needs I to be the end of the story. With him. Oh, cool. It's like a treasured picture. When I, I got, I won like one of the prizes at Bark Tank and I got this big old check and I got a picture with him and I was like, this was worth my $20,000 in debt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, let's, I mean, it, it's crazy how and, and this is the thing I love about what I do with the podcast is, you know, I, yeah. I see people from afar and I realize, oh my gosh, we have a ton in common as we start talking. Yeah. But yes, like you, I'm one of those people where like, I'm, I'm naturally an introvert, but I've learned how to turn it on. Like I know in spaces yeah. like this, the podcast, or even just at work, I know mm-hmm. how to turn it on, but after work, like, don't talk to yeah. me. I need, I need a nap. That's exactly it. That's literally it. I just know when to switch that dial on. And then when I'm done, I'm like, just leave me alone. I need to recharge. (laughs) I need to send. Yep, exactly. All right. So back to the job hopping. Mm -hmm. Can you walk me through your career path and kind of what compelled you to change roles each time that you did change a role? Yeah. So when I graduated, I wanted to still work on trucker, but I had just had a business deal go wrong where I tried to get some coders out in Syria, funny enough to build it for me. And that didn't work out. So I lost $7,500 on that deal. Yeah. I was, I was so hurt. My dad was not happy, but I'm lucky (laughs) enough that he even lent me the money. Um, and so then I had my student loans and I just like was looking at the situation and I, I was thinking, you know, I'm out of school now. I don't have the support to keep launching this or working on this the same way I did. So I basically just hung up trucker. I was like, you know, I can't, I I can't keep doing this. I need to pay the bills. I have debt to pay off. I have to move forward. And so I didn't know what that would be. I still wasn't sure what I was going to do. I knew I didn't want to work in sports. I made a Hail Mary effort to try to work at the NBA last minute, but that didn't work out. So the only people that I found that would hire me was a telemarketing job, like in Mm. sales, like I was cold calling people, you know, it sucked. I hated it. Not not what I wanted to do. And so I was only there two months making $40,000 a year, which in this area, I live in the DC area is like, poor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you're not making any money. You're living paycheck to paycheck. And mm-hmm. so 
I was like, you know, I need to get out of this. Still don't know what that is, but I'm just going to apply everywhere. And luckily, like as fate would have it, this company in government contracting, because that's very common around here as well. A lot of people work for the government, a lot of mm-hmm. contractors. They reached out and they saw that I had, I guess I, I didn't even remember I had it, but I had a profile on Georgetown's like student job board, you know, like their networking site. Mm-hmm. They found my profile and they were like, we're looking for an entry level candidate who can, you know, work Excel, who can learn these skills pretty quick, help us out. And I was like, I'm your girl. I don't care what I'm doing. I just want out of sales. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I took that job, which was great because it also came with a secret clearance, which really opened up a lot of doors for me. So I was making $55,000 there. And I was basically a junior data analyst. I think my official title was like functional data management and policy analyst. Good night. Which, yeah, I know. And it really, I when I look at it, I feel like longer titles basically equate to you don't really know what you're doing and (laughs) and they just wanted to put a lot of words there and that's basically what it was I had no idea what I was doing I was reading documents one day like policy documents one day working on SharePoint the other I didn't feel like I saw where my career was going in what I was doing and I just didn't feel like I had that clear path and I wasn't sure that I liked it either so I was starting to get contacted by recruiters and I was in data data analysis now. So I was starting to gain these skills like SharePoint, Jira, all these things that they look for. So I was getting like constantly harassed by recruiters who were hiring. And I was like, you know, I'm starting to get a sense of more money out there, Mm. you know? So why Mm. would I stay here if I'm unhappy and I could make more money elsewhere? And I had the privilege that I was still young. You know, I was just fresh out of college. So I didn't even include my sales job on my resume. You know, I, I had the ability to be more flexible. And so started interviewing and then Booz Allen Hamilton, which is a larger firm out here, did a job fair that I like signed up for. I showed up, got a job offer that day for 70 K. So I went 40 K 55 K 70 K. Wow. I was like, yes, I am happy with this. Actually, I think it was 72, but regardless, (laughs) I was happy with it. I was like, I'm making money, you know, like I'm starting to get there. They hired me as a junior data scientist. And (laughs) this was like such a joke. I started um, February, 2020, and none of us knew what was gonna happen in the next month. And when I started, I was gonna be on an aerospace contract. And like literally a week before I was gonna start, they were like, hey, the role on that contract got filled, like backfilled, but like, we'll put you on the bench, you'll be fine. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm starting this new job. And then a month later, while I was still on the bench, they, uh, the, the pandemic happened. And so I was shaking in my boots. <laughs> I was uh. like, not sure that I'd made the right choice, but you know, they kept to their word. They put me on the bench, which is basically just doing admin work until they have a contract opening. Okay. Everything worked out. COVID happened. I went home. I started working remote. I got put on a scheduling contract, which I didn't want to be on. And over the next few months, I just kind of like wanted to sit back and relax because everything was happening in the world. And I was like, you know, just be happy that you have a job. You know, we, we still weren't sure if we, we had that job security. So I was doing that for a couple months. And then I realized I hated what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't want to work on a schedule, which is basically just managing a schedule for people and making sure that they're aligned with their critical path. Wasn't what I wanted to be doing. So I stayed there a year. And the only reason I stayed a year was because when I joined Booz Allen, I got a sign-on bonus for $5,000. And yeah, and they were like, if you leave before a year, you have to pay that back. You're (laughs) like, "Mm." like, (laughs) I used that on my student loan. It's gone. (laughs) You're not seeing it again. So I stayed a year, hit my one year, and then immediately started looking at other jobs. And, you know, I was in high demand. Data analysis is very big, especially in government contracting. If you have that clearance, if you have those connections, you know, it's easy to get a job. So I got another job. I did a couple interviews. And at that time, I wasn't getting too much backlash for job hopping. You know, I, I was able to explain that, you know, I'm still young in my career. I'm trying to figure it out. So I didn't have too much problem with that yet. And I got a role as a senior data analyst, which was great because now I got a, a basically a promotion for moving to another job and right. I moved up to 90,000. So okay. I was like, yes, like now I'm making big money. And I was in a niche that I was really excited about. It was like communications data analysis, did that for a bit. And it 
like, I feel like so many things have happened that at the time when they happened felt really bad. Like I thought that, you know, I thought the world was crashing around me, but looking back, I'm like, all those things ended up being positive. So when I started that job a month, like about a month later, they fired my only other colleague that I had. And they had just like up, like started up this team for data analytics for the communications department. Okay. So I was thinking, okay, like they're going to backfill him. You know, I'm going to get some help couple months go by. I still don't, I still don't have a replacement. And I was supporting five departments in communication. Wow. Insane. Like each one, each department needed a full-time data analyst. And I was supporting five all by myself, which wouldn't have even been, you know, possible if they had backfilled my colleague. Wow. So I started getting really burnt out. The great resignation was happening. You know, people were talking about, you know, being unhappy and asking their companies to support them. So I was like, you know, I'm really unhappy and I'm burnt out. I'm working sunrise to sunset. Um, The client loved me. And so I loved what I was doing. I was learning a lot. I was in the niche that I was happy with, but I was like, I'm not making enough to be treated this way or to work this way. Like this is insane. So I started looking up, like doing market research and I had never, I'd never negotiated my salary before. Never even thought about it. I was kind of of the mindset that I should be happy with what I make. You know, I should be grateful to even have the job. And like, mm-hmm. if I try to negotiate, then I'm going to be greedy or they're going to think that I'm difficult. So I hadn't even considered it. Started looking up what a senior data analyst should make in my area. And it was like 110K plus. And wow. I was at 90 and I was, I was supporting five different departments wow. as a senior analyst. Yeah. So wow. I, I was pretty unhappy. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? I feel like I got got, you know, like yeah. the, I just had like a bad taste in my mouth. So I asked my manager, I was like, you know, I did this market research. Here are all my sources. I had like six of them, put it all together, did the math. I'm a data analyst. You know, I numbers don't lie. <laughs> I use those skills to my advantage. And I told her, I was like, this is all the value I brought to the contract. This is all the things I've heard from the client, all the value I did, all the impact I want to raise. I want at least 105K. And they sat on it for a couple months, like kept dragging it out. I had to keep emailing like, Hey, any updates, any updates. And then they ultimately denied me. And they were like, you have to be at the company for a year before we consider you for a raise. And even then don't expect more than 5%. But also (laughs) you have me doing the job of two people. So you have banked the salary. So you should be able to pay me the percentage of what I've asked for because you have the salary of this other person not being paid. That Absolutely. is nuts. Yep. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow. 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 Okay. <laughs> so I was very unhappy. And I, I was just like, I don't care if I like the job. And at that point, I didn't like the job anymore because I was so burnt out. I was like, it doesn't matter how I feel about the work I do. I'm too burnt out for me to even enjoy it anymore. So I started looking again. I was like, I'm not staying. I don't see the point. I'm not valued. I don't feel respected. I, I don't feel appreciated. Yep. And I felt like I could be appreciated elsewhere. So This was kind of where I started getting pushback for job hopping, where I had to do a lot of interviews where I had one interview where this guy was so rude. He off the bat had like an aggressive tone and was like, can you tell me why you're leaving your job so soon? You know, like, how do we know you're not going to leave us? And I was trying to explain to him, like, well, if you treat me well, why would I leave? Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, why is the onus being put on me here? You know, it's also your responsibility to make sure that I feel appreciated. Uh So I had a little bit of trouble there, but eventually I came in across a company that was hiring a senior data analyst. And I kind of used a strategy here that I had learned in salary negotiation, where I didn't, when she asked me, when the recruiter asked me, you know, what's your salary requirements? I flipped it on her and I asked her, what's your budget for this role? Nice. And she was like, yeah. And she nice. was like, oh, well, you know, it's about 115. And I was going to say my, you know, my salary requirement was like 100 to 110. Cause I was hoping to meet at that 105. So when she said 115, I was like, yep, that sounds good to me. One, yep, that, that's where I want 115. Thank you. <laughs> that, that's what I was thinking. Yep. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it went great. Like they had really good energy. They really valued like what I was bringing to bringing to the table. Very easy offer. Accepted it. I tried to negotiate. I tried to ask if I could get a sign on bonus because I was going to lose some money with my 401k by switching over quick. But, mm-hmm. you know, they said no, but I felt good about it anyway, because I felt like I was getting the right amount of money. I was happy with the offer. I felt good about the energy they brought. And sure enough, like the, the time I spent with them, like six months was perfect. I really loved working for them. And so, yeah, I just quit recently, but, (laughs) but it was great. So that's my long winded job hopping journey. (laughs) All right. No, this is very detailed. Thank you. So for somebody that may want to get into this industry now that they know they could make 115, what exactly does a data analyst do? Yeah. Great question. So a data analyst, it it varies across different companies and different niches, but essentially you're translating data into something that is comprehensible. So if, you know, a marketing department sends out emails, they have data on who opens the emails at what time, how long do they stay? What links do they click? All of that data can be easily analyzed and translated into meaningful insights that are going to help them grow their product. And so it's basically that idea across every single department. Any company has data that needs translating. So it's a really rich field. You can work in so many different industries. And I mean, it's easy to break into too. Like I didn't have much of a coding emphasis because I was working in communications. So I didn't have like huge huge data sets. It was like, I didn't need SQL or Python, but in this day and age, if you want to break into it, you can easily learn SQL and Python and Tableau, like visualization tools, Mm -hmm. very cheap, very quick and break into it. You don't need a degree. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. I think, and it's my brother lives in Virginia. He lives in uh, Manassas. And so he does something for the government that he can't tell me Uh because he has security. And I'm like, I think, (laughs) I think this is what my brother does. So thank you. Now I have insights since he he won't tell me. (laughs) Um, So that's how you found out that you were being underpaid. So what Uh were the steps between finding out that you were underpaid, Mm -hmm. starting your first TikTok stocks, stocks and squats. I know. I which is mouthful. which is a mouthful. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> so how did you go from finding out you were underpaid, starting mm-hmm. stocks and squats, and mm-hmm. then transferring that to your new TikTok paid salary transparency street? Yeah. So I found out I was underpaid around last summer when I was still at my previous job. And what I did was, you know, I did the market research, asked for the raise, didn't get it, eventually left. And so I started my most recent job that I just quit back in November. So it took a couple months for me to kind of just at that point, when I started that job, I was like, I'm going to sit back, I'm going to relax, I'm going to sit pretty, you know, I'm not hoping to job hop for a bit, you know, I was very happy where I was at. But start 2022, and it's like January, February, um, I had had a TikTok before, but I had never posted on it. You know, I was one of those like older millennials that was kind of afraid of TikTok. Like I was like, I'll watch it, but I'm not going to dance. So so I like just kind of took a risk. Like I'd been on Twitter and Instagram kind of trying to start this idea for stocks and squats where I wanted to talk about my weight loss journey and my wealth journey. Because like when I quit the jobs that I hated, I also kind of had this like self-reinvention where I'd always been overweight my entire life. And I just like was fed up with it. I was like, I'm taking control of my life. I'm taking control of my career. And with that comes taking control of myself. And so I went on this weight loss journey. I lost like over 50 pounds and then thank you. (laughs) And then at the same time, I was also learning so much about my finances and personal finance and building wealth. And so I I paid off all my debt, paid off my student loans. Yeah. I was really proud of it. Thank you. And I started investing and I set myself up and my fiance up also on a plan where we were going to retire before we were 40. Like that was it. I was like, I don't want to work for the rest of my life. My life is too short. I value it too much. I don't value work that much. You know, I want to make sure that I'm setting aside money now so I can set myself up for the future. Mm -hmm. And that was the basis of stocks and squats, like stocks and squats. But then come January, February, you know, the stocks and squats concept wasn't it, it. I just didn't really feel super aligned with what I was talking about. And I started talking on TikTok about my career journey. And it's funny because I didn't realize at the time that 
I wouldn't have had my, my wealth journey or my health journey. If I hadn't had my career journey, Mm. all of those things happened because of what I did with my career and job hopping and all that. So Mm -hmm. started talking about that, how I broke into data analysis, how I, you know, job hopped, how I navigated that. And that took off. And I had like a couple of videos go viral off of that. And I was like, okay, like this is something that needs to be talked about. And that started everything. And then once I was talking so transparently on TikTok about all my jobs and what I was making, what I was doing, people were just obsessed with it. <laughs> like they wanted more, they loved it. And I realized, you know, this isn't something that people are talking about. Like you don't see that many people being super transparent about what they make. And I had personally experienced being underpaid and realizing it and trying to negotiate my salary and such that other people hadn't done yet or been exposed to. So I was like, you know, this needs to be on a larger platform. Like we need to be talking about this because this underpaying is just, it's not it, it's not it. And so I asked my community, actually I did an Instagram poll and it was like 80 people responded. And I was like, how would you feel if I went on the street and I asked people how much they make? And they lo- like, it was 80 people, but it was hundred percent. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I, was, I was like, you know what? That's all I need. That's all I need for someone to tell me that this is a good idea. And the day I posted was the same day I went out in Georgetown on April 16th. Yeah. I filmed the videos that day, posted that day, immediate viral. It was awesome. wild. <laughs> so what is, what is considered viral? Cause I did read yeah. one where I think you had one post that went to like, you had like 14 million in one day or 14 million in four days. What was that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know over the course of days, but I know that like all the videos I posted in like the first week had a million views like in a day. So for me, viral was like over a million, but I think our highest viewed video has like 22 million. Nice. It's nuts to me. (laughs) Good for you. So talk a little bit about Salary Transparency Street. Like what is it that you do? What are the resources that you provide for it? And how did you go from just talking to people on the street to now this is your business? (laughs) Yeah, so- Basically, the gist of it is I go out on the street and I ask people, what do they do and how much they make? But, you know, I always ask follow up questions, which they get to choose because some people have tried to come at me for like, you didn't ask this person this question. And I'm like, no, uh, they choose their questions. You know, uh, I'm not trying to trick anybody. Right. Um, but what I wanted to do was really give a platform to different careers and put those numbers out there because I didn't know when I started working, how much this certain career field was going to make, or, you know, how much I was going to make in my career field. There's not enough information out there. And even the resources that we do have now, like PayScale, salary.com, all of that they're, you know, those are crowdfunded and they don't come with that backstory, that context that you need to really understand why people are paid the way they are. You know, their years of experience, their degrees, you know, where they live, all of those things are factors that we need to keep in mind when we talk about salaries. And Mm -hmm. I felt like there just wasn't enough connection between understanding how much you should be paid and like what the market research goes behind that. So I was hoping that the series was going to maybe put that on a really high platform for people to see, but But also my goal is to remove the taboo about talking about our pay because the best way to make sure that you can get those contextual salaries and that information is to talk about it. And no one wants to talk about it because it's so taboo, but it shouldn't be. And so I think it's important for us to take a second to think about why we're uncomfortable talking about our pay, you know, because (laughs) we shouldn't be equating it to our value, our intelligence, or our worth in society. But so many of us do that, right? Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating because I'm like, you shouldn't be doing that because you're probably underpaid. You know, (laughs) if you do that, it's just, it's not good. It's not going to land you in the right place. And so I was hoping we could do that, but also really, I want to put pressure on corporate America because they're the ones that can solve this problem. If you make pay transparent across your organization, across all departments, and you list that salary range in a job, you know, in a description, you're going to completely fix this problem without having us take the responsibility for the problem. It's, it's just wild to me that workers are responsible to be equally paid versus companies being responsible and ethically responsible to pay their workers fairly. Amen. So yeah, so that's where I was at. 
Um, but really it's, we need more than just the videos, right? So we're adding more to the resources we provide. So I did put together a market research guide. That's a free download on our website. So you can go learn how to do that market research so you can get as much information as possible about how much you should be paid. We also have a LinkedIn group. So we're trying to connect people and make sure that they can um, network more naturally because it's so difficult to you know do that outreach and those cold calls and cold emails. So if we put them in a group together, that bridges the gap a little bit more naturally. And, you know, we're building so many cool things. We also have a newsletter. So every Sunday we share information about careers and we give context to different salaries and different career fields. And we're going to build a website where we provide even more resources for specific careers so we can share, you know, connect people with experts in those areas. And Mm -hmm. so they don't have to do the searching themselves. Just a lot of cool things happening. And so, yeah, I quit my job two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, very recent. And I just decided that I needed to, to be able to really build this out. I needed to put all my time and energy into it because I had my nine to five. And then I was also trying to travel and film and build this out. And it was just too much. And, you know, I felt like I had the experience before with entrepreneurship that I know what I'm doing more than I did before. Right. And so I had that confidence. And also, I mean, full transparency, brand deals are insane. Like the content creation market is, I had no idea the money that's in that. And so I knew that, you know, if I can do a brand deal with, we did a brand deal with Clio and I can make a couple thousand dollars there. Yeah, thanks. And I can make a couple thousand dollars there on a video promoting something that is actually beneficial to my audience that can support me to continue providing free resources for my community instead of trying to monetize them, which is not what I want to do. Right. Awesome. That's where we're at. And I just, I just downloaded work bestie, the work bestie app. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Do you want to talk I about work bestie a little bit? Yeah. I mean, that one is on my stocks and spots personal page. So that was one of my first products I did before salary transparency even came along that I really just wanted to give an opportunity to women to have that direct connection with other women that is so difficult to navigate. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted to make it easier for them and then also give them access to jobs and different topics that can help them. You know, we do a daily prompt every single day that helps people better answer some interview questions that come you know, sometimes a little bit too hot and you're not prepared, but Mm -hmm. if you do a daily prompt and you think about these things, you're better prepared. So Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to help women develop professionally and grow. And I, I have to share this one story before I get to the next question. So I I was a recruiter, um, for a tech company and, Uh um, I was recruiting on the university side. So it was really either interns or entry-level positions. Mm -hmm. And I had a young woman who was interviewing for an entry-level position. And Uh so I got, I got to the part where I asked her, because for some dumb reason, we can't just tell people what the salary range is, which I'm so, I'm so impressed that that other company gave you a range because we we weren't allowed to share it. And so, um, I asked her like, what, what salary was she looking for? And she gave mm-hmm. me a number that was 70,000 below oh, no. what we were offering. And I'm like, girl. And oh, I'm like, luckily, no. she, and she was African-American. I'm like, luckily she got me and not somebody else. I was like, yeah. um, I'm going to need you to go back to your university, mm-hmm. go back to your career services center, ask them. Cause they usually have some sort of like range of what you should ask for yeah. if you have this degree. You should be paid this. I said, go mm-hmm. back to them, mm-hmm. ask them what that is. And then call me back and we'll revisit this discussion. So she came back for me and she asked me for the 70 that the job was offering. I was like, okay, cool. Because it scared me that if if she had somebody else, that they would have paid her 70 below what the job was offering. So I, hopefully if she had resources like yours and that, that, won't happen to her again. So that's why I was so excited and passionate about what you do, because even now in 2022, Mm -hmm. there's, there's young women that still don't know financially what their salaries are worth. That's so great. I'm really happy to hear that, that there are good recruiters out there, (laughs) but that makes me think of, um, do you remember a couple months ago, it went viral. There was a recruiter who made a LinkedIn post about, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, where she talked about how the lady asked for less money. And she was like, it's not my responsibility to teach her how to negotiate that really grinded my gears. (laughs) Uh huh. And it should, and it's ridiculous. It's like, 
a she was a woman too. yes like, oh. and i think and i believe she was a black woman which pissed me off because i was like looky here woman like we as recruiters mm-hmm. we don't we don't make money off of yeah shafting people like just because right. she underpaid that person she doesn't get like a bonus so i don't understand no. the point of it if, if this yeah. is the range just give them the high end of the range. Yeah, yeah that that pissed me off and it's so irritating that she like her comment like it's not my job to teach women how to negotiate really irritates me because because I have done the research on this I didn't start salary transparency uneducated on this topic I came prepared with facts and research and so many studies have found that even when women negotiate for the exact same amount that a white male would and this is like it's worse for women of color like Mm -hmm. 10 times worse that a white woman or a woman of color who negotiates the exact same amount is not going to get the same raise as a white man would and sometimes won't get anything just because they're deemed greedy or difficult or like you know they they feel like they deserve more and it's like no it's actual discrimination that's Uh being blanketed by this oh i don't have to teach you how to negotiate well no we're actually not taught how to negotiate in school so maybe it's your ethical responsibility to pay me a fair wage yeah and i super don't know why she was proud of herself for posting i was shocked that she posted that but yeah (laughs) the internet internet. oh there are terrible people everywhere anywho um so yeah so i think as a, you know, as a university recruiter in a tech space, I saw how managers openly offered lower salaries yeah. to women for the same roles. Like, uh, again, I mentioned that I was doing um, internships. So we were converting our interns. So this particular internship role, mm-hmm. they were MBAs that also had engineering mm-hmm. degrees. So they were oh, cool. yeah, just amazingly smart, smart and talented <laughs> people. So uh, it came time to offer, there was a, a white man and then a woman of color for the mm-hmm. s- same role, different teams, same role. Yeah. They paid him $10,000 more than her. And I was like, that doesn't surprise me. Why? And it was that it's because, well, she asked for this. And of course I didn't have salary transparency to refer her to, Mm -hmm. or, and I just, I was a young recruiter, so I didn't know how to fight for her, but just to see them blatantly, they literally, they both had MBAs. They both were engineers, but you just gave him $10,000 more. It's insane. So I know that you're looking to expand, um, salary transparency street to cities throughout the country. Cause, um, Mm -hmm. I had the same kind of reaction that maybe some other people we're like oh well these salaries seem high because you're you're in a high cost city what does it look Mm -hmm. like in in other cities so Mm -hmm. um are you able to measure the efficacy of the resources that you provide Mm -hmm. particularly as you're raising capital so that you can spread salary transparency seat to other uh yeah i said that wrong salary transparency street to other cities such a mouthful (laughs) (laughs) i literally i chose the most difficult ones (laughs) At the time, I thought it rolled off the tongue. And then the more I said it, I was like, oh, man, <laughs> this is a mouthful. Um, but yeah, actually, we have a metrics tracker. So okay. every single week, I try to track the numbers of, you know, where are we at with our downloads, with our opens, with our email uh, metrics. So I do have, I guess, like a strength is that I'm carrying over this background in data analytics. So I am very like into our analytics because I, I did this work before. So the fact that it's like my own product now, I'm just so much more involved in it that I'm like, okay, I love what I do. (laughs) Perfect. Good. And I think that's something too, that people don't think about where they just see you like, oh, she just went out and now she's famous. And it's like, well, there's some data, there's work behind it. I I like also that you said I had to make this formal by creating t-shirts and all of that. (laughs) There was a lot, there's a lot that went into it. I feel, I feel like people only see the videos and that's all that, that's all they assume. But Mm -hmm. this was a really big decision for me to just quit my job and do it full time. And I wouldn't have done it if I didn't have all this previous work built into it. Like I knew the possibilities. I have my game plan. You know, I've got all my funnels set up. I'm tracking my metrics. Like I, I know what I'm doing (laughs) and I wish people gave me like the benefit of the doubt with that, but I feel like sometimes people try to find ways to reason that people have ill intent. And I'm just like, no, like I'm promise I'm trying to do the right thing here. (laughs) Do you think that kind of 
I don't want to say doubt, but hesitation mm-hmm. has to do with your age because you are relatively yeah. young. And I and I bring that up because I was doing research on you and saw that you were doing mm-hmm. interviews with like Board Panda and the Washington Post yeah. and CNBC and Business Insider and Entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. But Newsweek is the only mm-hmm. one that I read that did not mention your age. Yeah, that is interesting. I, and you know, what's funny to me is that I wouldn't discount myself for my age. I would actually give myself more credit because Mm. the way, and part of the reason why I made this decision is I'm only 25. You know, I don't have a lot to lose, to be frank. Like I've paid off my debt. I have money saved up. I wouldn't have made this decision if I didn't have money saved up. Like we just bought a house. So I have a mortgage to consider, you know? (laughs) Yeah, thanks. And I, the only reason I bought it was because of my job hopping. I wouldn't be anywhere close to that if I stayed at my 40K job. (laughs) Right, right. But, you know, I have definitely taken the time to set myself up for this. And if I fail, it's easier to fail now than it would be when I'm in my thirties or my forties. If I have kids, if I have more responsibilities, like I figured I have the perfect opportunity right now to gamble on myself. I have the safety net. I have this plan. You know, I I know exactly where I'm going, my roadmap to success and it's happening. Like it's working out for me. I felt like I would lose more opportunity staying at my job and not having this energy and full time to dedicate to what I'm building. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm confident about it. I actually feel like my age is a positive. Awesome. And I think I heard you mention in one of your interviews that sometimes older people are a little bit more hesitant to share yeah. their salaries. And I think it's just from that culture of loyalty and you stay with your company mm-hmm. and whatever, all that good stuff. Um, so I'm also wondering as you're growing your business and you're growing this transparency. I also wonder if older people are hesitant about things like social media. And so is there a strategy or is this something that you Mm -hmm. thought about? Like, how do I reach out to people from an older generation that need this information? Cause they may be in this boat too, but Mm -hmm. are so leery of, of social media and TikTok and all of that. Like, how am I going to get this information to those, that Mm -hmm. generation? Yeah, no, it's definitely true. Um, It's so interesting to see the demographics difference when I'm doing the interviews because yeah, older people definitely don't want to talk about it nearly as much as younger people do. But I mean, it's reflective of how they were raised. You know, their parents were working same job their entire lives, never moved, you know, so that's why older people are also anti-job hop because it's not what they were taught. Mm -hmm. But they're also of the notion that if you talk about your pay, it's rude because they've been, for lack of a better word, brainwashed by corporate America that has told them, if you talk about this, you're going to get in trouble. And Mm -hmm. the only reason they told them that is because if they did, they would find out that they're underpaid and corporate would have a problem. Corporate was not trying to protect you (laughs) by telling you not to talk about their pay, your pay. They're trying to protect themselves. Um, but one of the ways that I've been actually navigating that is it's funny. A lot of my colleagues that I worked with at my last job, we're older, you know, I work with government contractors. They've been doing this for decades and they were really excited about it. Like I got tons of positive feedback, which was very like, it it made me feel better about what I was doing, that I was reaching more than one demographic, but I, you know, they tell me, how can I find you? Like, how do I follow you? And I'm like, Oh, I'm on TikTok and Instagram. They're like, Oh, I don't have that. So I was like, well, I need to meet people where they're at. And thankfully, social media has so many different avenues that I don't have to choose one. So I have TikTok and Instagram, which is reaching a lot of a younger demographic, Mm -hmm. but we are also leveraging YouTube shorts and YouTube. So a lot of the older people that I worked with at my last job, I told them, oh, we're on YouTube also. And we're on LinkedIn. Two of the things that that demographic is definitely on. (laughs) So it's really just meeting people where they're at. Perfect. Now, in the short time that I've gotten to know you, I feel like, oh, yes, look at there. She's being an ally. Because I think to you to, to even say specifically that not only are women being affected by salary inequities, but also people of color. And so I mm-hmm. see you as an ally in those spaces and in your videos, you've got everybody. There's young, there's old, there's black, there's white, there's, there's everybody in those videos. But again, people are jerks and they're going to say, well, how does this privileged white woman, what does she know about this in this mm-hmm. space? So how do you address kind of critics who may argue that what do you know you're you're privileged and it's true like I am very privileged and I've definitely had a lot of privilege in my career even though I probably thought some things were unfair they would be a lot more unfair for people of color so I have to like take the second to recognize the privilege I have Mm -hmm. but you know that doesn't it doesn't bother me because 
I am aware of my privilege, but I'm also incredibly aware of the fact that if I was underpaged and I'm an educated white woman who's, I don't come from a rich family, but I'm not poor, you know, I'm not, I, my family was upper middle class, you know, I've had a lot of privilege growing up. If I was underpaid, I can't imagine how that looks for people who are black or Hispanic or Asian, especially women. Like, it's just, if, if I was underpaid, they're much more underpaid. And it's really just blatant discrimination and that discrimination that goes under the table. You know, the fact that it's not my responsibility to teach you how to negotiate. That is, and from a, a Black woman, it's that so hard to hear because I'm like, that is discrimination and that's racism because most people are not taught this and if you are it's probably because you had some privilege in your education you know it's not it shouldn't be the responsibility of the worker to be fairly paid i keep saying that it's the ethical responsibility of the company to treat their employees fairly and so the way i see it is yeah i have privilege but i also experienced this and so i'm standing up for everyone because i know that if i experienced it it's way worse for people of color. And I see them as people that I want to uplift. You know, I want to give them a platform. I want to help them out. I'm, I'm not anti-corporate America, but I'm pro-people. I'm pro-workers. Mm. And they're the ones who run these companies. So it's not me like standing up against corporations. It's really just trying to point the finger at whose responsibility is it here? And how can I empower and educate workers to advocate for themselves and understand what's happening in the background to by corporate America that's making them underpaid and how we can try to put that responsibility on them to switch that. Because really, I mean, we can do all we can to educate ourselves, but corporations are still going to try to find those loopholes to get around. So we have to do everything we can to educate ourselves, share those resources, but also corporate America needs to catch up. Right. Awesome. So I see you as the face of your company, but I've heard you say we a few times. So what yeah. is your support system look like both professionally and personally? Yeah. Um, I, I blame that on like having the entrepreneur bug that I don't want it to be like, it's not it's not about me. You know, I'm the face, but I'm building this for so many people, not for myself. And so we is just a way that I talk about what I'm building, but I do have an amazing support system. Like my fiance is my moonlights as my cameraman. <laughs> so he, we travel together and it's wonderful. Like he quit his job too, because I'm pretty awesome. sure that, yeah, I'm pretty sure that this is going to be able to support both of us. Um, and it was really just a matter of him working, kept us from traveling and we have to travel to get as many cities as we can. So the fact that he took that leap is just enormous for me. Um, it gives me so much like support and love, but I'm excited about it. Um, so it's the two of us traveling. And then we actually have some really great business people who are helping us on the side, trying to set us up with some partnerships. You know, it's really all about who you know. I don't know anyone at LinkedIn or ZipRecruiter, but some people have reached out to me who do, and they're trying to help us make those connections and get those partnerships so we can have support to keep doing this. So also as a proud daddy's girl, I've heard you mention your father a few times. So where yeah. is he in this journey? I'm sure when you first started, he was like, I support you, but what? So oh where, where is he now? <laughs> yeah, both my parents. Oh my goodness. They had, and rightfully so, right? Like I, I've always marched to the beat of my own drum and I, I'm pretty sure I've shortened their, their lifespans a couple of years with a few of my decisions. But, you know, I think that they just trust that I, I'm going to make a smart decision so that has helped me with them not being too anti what are you doing um but they're really there for me like i just i'm so lucky to have such a great support system that my family like they're always there to make sure that they're asking those tough questions that i want to avoid and they do that because they love me they want me to make sure that i'm making an educated decision like have you thought about your retirement your 401k you know did you did you did you switch that over into a roth like what are you going to do what about your savings those are all really important hard questions to consider when you're making a decision like this so i'm lucky that i have people that i love that are asking that to me with good intention not to put me down. Right. All right. Last question. So if you could look 10 years into the future, what would you want to see to think, yeah, I've been pretty successful? Yeah, very easy for me. The second that I can go on LinkedIn and every single job application lists a salary range and that every company that's on there who's listing their jobs 
is fully salary transparent. And that can look different for every company. There's not one formula, but if you have some type of system in place there to make sure that you are paying employees in a certain part of your department, this range because of X and X and X, like taking the time to think about that. Once that's implemented, I will have done my job. Yeah. Wash my hands of it. Like done. <laughs> so I think I read, is it New York that has the salary transparency where New York yeah, has to publish and stuff? Colorado, okay. which is, it's funny because it, it's really pointing towards, I think this is going to be a state decision. It's not something that's going to be federally implemented. Um, but, you know, <laughs> the federal legislation does say that corporations are not allowed to keep you from discussing your pay. And yet they still do. So it's really a legal fight that's, a long ways ahead of us. And I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to try to go down that <laughs> path. So I'm just putting my faith in them. But I think that having this pressure, we saw what happens with the great resignation. When people hop on board and know what they want because of the value it brings, you can have that, that argument and actually have positive impact and change. Like remote work was not a thing two to three years ago. And now it's something that people are demanding. When we realize that, hey, we're being actively underpaid and discriminated against because these systems aren't in place. That mm -hmm. needs to change. Once that conversation starts going like full speed, which it already is, I believe right now, mm -hmm. that's when we can start putting pressure on companies and make sure that they're implementing those changes because we demand it. All right. Awesome. Well, Hannah, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you today. I feel like a lot more yeah, encouraged that this is going. Yeah, I'm just I'm excited. I feel a lot more excited. encouraged that somebody is is publicizing, is taking a look at this and is making sure that um, employer employees know their rights and are taking yeah. um, some notice about it. So where can people find you if they want to yeah. find more about your organization and all the good mm -hmm. work that you're doing? Yeah, so we are on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Salary Transparent Street. And we have a website. It's called a stand store. So you can go to our stand store and get all our resources there. The links are always in our social media bios. Um, yeah, we also have a LinkedIn group. You can follow us on LinkedIn, but that's about it. All right, Hannah. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks, Jen. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of the Wise and Wine podcast. Don't forget, episodes come out every Tuesday wherever you find podcasts. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. You can also find information about my guests on my Instagram page at Wise and Wine Podcast or send me an email if you have any questions, comments, or concerns at wiseandwine at gmail.com. So I hope that our time today helps you pass the time on your commute, pass the time on the treadmill, or pass the time while you're working on those TPS reports. And hopefully you left this day a little wiser. Have a great day. Bye-bye.